Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dadia. This week's episode, I welcome Dr. Victoria Harris. Dr. Harris is an accredited psychotherapist who works with children and adults and is the author of children's books. For her doctorate, she researched creative techniques in psychotherapy supervision, finding them useful when experiencing a lack of clarity and discomfort and helping with insight. She has a middle grade book series focusing on the heroine's journey and a picture book that teaches skills to regulate the body and mind. She has worked in many different settings, such as forensic, psychiatric, family services, and private practice, and helped to develop mindfulness videos for a mental health school program in Ireland. Recently, she began a YouTube channel offering guided relaxation. In this episode, Dr. Harris and I discuss the importance of play for children and the value of engagement. We explore how the lack of play and healthy attachments can adversely impact children and often lead to an inability to emotionally regulate and cope with stressful situations as children grow up. Dr. Harris and I also talk about the different forms of play children can engage in. We finally talk about the impact of screens on the development of children and the roles parents can play to support children with managing their screen times. Please find Dr. Harris on Instagram at Dr. V. Harris and online on her website at www.drvharris.com. And please leave a five-star review at the end of the episode. I would truly appreciate it. All right, Dr. Harris, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me today and wanting to have this conversation. I'm really excited and we've been able to chat briefly offline. So I, I appreciate that. But uh, before we jump into the conversation, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and let the listeners know a little bit about what it is that you do. Well, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm really excited to be here with you and to be able to share a bit about what I do. So, um, so my name is Victoria Harris. I um, studied, um, so basically my, I started off studying psychology mm-hmm. and then I went on to um, uh, train as a psychotherapist. And through my work as a psychotherapist, I became very interested in working with children because I came across people where words weren't enough, that mm-hmm. I needed uh, another strategy in order to meet them and for, to help them to express and process what was going on for them. So I started to use creative techniques, which led me to train in, in um, using creative techniques. And then as I was working, I became very interested in that. And I it led me to do a doctorate in psychotherapy where I actually researched the use of creative techniques in psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. So I work with children, adolescents, and adults, but I would say my way of working is integrative, but I also would use a lot of creative strategies if it fits with the client and if they're happy to go with that, which usually they are if they've seen my bio right. and they, they usually come to me because... I like to work that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, we'll definitely get into that a little bit. But you're also a published author. Do you want to 
elaborate on that a little bit in terms of what kind of books you write? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's another aspect of what I do is I, because, I mean, as a child, I always liked using a creative outlet for my my own feelings and emotion. And um, I grew up very near the town in the New Forest in in England where uh, Lewis uh, based uh, main character Alice, Alice in Wonderland, the lady who used to live there, and she was buried there. So the whole town was is was a kind of an ode to Alice in Wonderland. So that really, and it was it's in the New Forest. So I was always fascinated with that story of a portal to another world. Mm-hmm. And after doing a very heavy doctorate, where it was, it was very academic a lot of academic writing, I went straight into writing this fairy story. Um, It was a great, it was a great outlet. It was something that came, the story came to me very easily and I really enjoyed the process of writing it. But because symbol and metaphor is a great vehicle um, for healing, it was very much, very important for me to write the story using symbol and metaphor, but with also uh, the main character having struggles with negative thought and and learning in the the arc of the story how how they to deal with those negative that negative pattern of thinking and how they learn to regulate their right. body and their mind as well as it's a great adventure story where they go off and they you know they it's a hero's or heroine's journey where they go off and they fight their uh, their fears and their in the form of various monsters and um and it's 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 that kind of classic joseph campbell um, art but um that's something that i'm very passionate about so i'm just working on book three got two books out and i also wrote a children's picture book which is also like a mini hero's journey um mm-hmm. about a badger and how they learn to regulate their body and yeah, their mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. And you touched on a few things there that I want to explore further. But, you know, initially you talked about how as children, words aren't enough. And that's kind of the whole idea of that creative expression. But as we were talking offline, if often we haven't been given the tools to emotionally regulate for whatever reason, um, often then in our adult lives, we're, we're constantly trying to figure that out. And we're kind of living our own hero's journey of being able to overcome some of those struggles, I suppose. But it, in the work you do, how does creative expression help? Or is it like, do all children need that? Because I feel like it, in a way we do, right? As children, we don't have the tools and the skills to be able to use our words and we're looking to the environment around us mostly our caregivers to to get that language but sometimes that emotional express uh, sorry that creative expression can take that pressure off and make it a lot easier to express ourselves yeah for sure um for the child their language is play mm. and um but you can't play if you don't feel safe so often, um, if a child comes into my office and they they are very 
very anxious. They might not, they might find it difficult to, to use creative expression. So whereas my, my, um, I would tend to be more child led. Sometimes you might need to be a little bit more directive just to help them feel safer. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, I think it is really important to, um, I mean, we all have an inner child. So yeah. You're right. So it's, you know, it's very, it's quite interesting to give adults the opportunity to play in, in therapy. And that was really something that resonated with me when I, when I was doing my initial training, I had a therapist who was very creative and I used to draw, she used to invite me to draw things mm -hmm. and um, use different ways to express myself. And when I couldn't access certain feelings and emotions or sensations to, to draw it and then have that when you draw when you use a creative uh technique to have something uh, whether it's picking a symbol or using uh something you've drawn to have um, it, it creates dramatic distance so then um it's easier sometimes to put you know to put out there mm -hmm. and then you can explore it together and make sense of it after right like it's um and in with children if you allow them to just um in a child-led way they they come in and they they pick what they want to play with in the room right often often if they've had a, a trauma or something happen they will re they will there will be repetitive play You're so right. they will go in a, the same theme will keep coming up again and again until it's processed yeah yeah and you can help yeah. you could help them with that by reflecting the feeling so even if they can't speak it if you can if you can um put the words onto it mm -hmm. can help shift it or because it, it allows it uh, it allows it to be seen and heard right right yeah and you know you kind of talked about joseph campbell earlier and and carl jung kind of both of them talked a lot about mythologies but there's this aspect of the unconscious that kept coming up in Carl Jung's work. Do you feel like with the aspect of play, we're tapping into that unconscious nature and letting that come out to the forefront and making something more conscious that we're not aware of, but it's coming through play where there's, to your point earlier, there's that safety, but you're also not putting that much pressure on yourself, especially if it's something traumatic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel the body is a portal mm -hmm. to the unconscious and also our imagination. So it is, um, and that's something I found in my research, you know, why were experienced psychotherapy supervisors using creative techniques in supervision? When I looked at it, it was because it works. Mm -hmm. It access, it bypasses our conscious mind. And it accesses something that we, you know, in our unconscious or outside of our awareness that needs to be worked on. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, that they used it because it was effective in doing it, doing that, it revealed something. Um, what was interesting is like, what was their motivation? And sometimes it was their motivation to reveal was actually stemming from their own discomfort. 
So because they were feeling uncomfortable, maybe the uh, therapist was not, uh, they were feeling that there was something unsaid in the room that, that, that may, because they're coming from a place of overseeing the work Mm -hmm. and maybe their own anxiety at what was not being said was causing them discomfort. So they used it as a strategy to get to the issue. Right. But so we have to look at that. So, you know, what's the power play in that and that actually maybe it's a more of a benefit to to uh, disclose our own discomfort, to be with the discomfort first and then use the creative technique as a, as a, a strategy to, to explore together mm. rather than using it just to reveal something. It needs to be uh, collaborative. So that's right. something I it illuminated in my research, which I found interesting. Mm. And it's almost like a dance, right? And that's an aspect of play adults engage in. Um, I, I, I do find it very interesting that personally, I, I love playing sports because that's my way of getting play in and, and taking on news activities as well. But I think there's probably an aspect of play for people who often want to, you know, overconsume alcohol and then go dancing because there is probably some underlying stress or trauma that is not coming to the surface and that aspect of play potentially helps. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, we, you know, we all have, um, unhealthy ways of trying to, uh, work on, work on stuff that's been pushed, pushed away, work on. So I think it's, it is actually really important uh, to, to first create that sense of safety. I guess that was something that was really important and it's something that is really important in my work. I would work on, first of all, on creating a sense of safety in the client um, and in myself and because then, then from that point, you can then go on to explore mm. and be curious. I think it's very difficult to, uh, to be curious unless you feel there's a sense of safety. Um, I think, you know, for me, definitely writing books is, is, is a personal way for me to process yeah. what's, what's going on in my own journey. And I use a lot of writing with teenagers as well. So one, um, for example, I would often have, I have all these different symbols in the room and I just ask, inviting them to pick something that to represent themselves or you know, what symbol would they pick? Mm-hmm. And and then to talk about the symbol, so it's it's talked about, so it's outside of, you know, it's in the room between us, and then explore that symbol, but then to go away, and they might have also picked symbols for different family members, and then to go away and to write a story. And it's just amazing. It's amazing what the story comes back you know when they come back with the story the next week mm-hmm. it it illustrates exactly what the issue is right and then we can spend time exploring that and working with the story mm. if that's what they want to do yeah yeah and i find that with journaling i kind of get the same ex- you know ability to express myself where i'm just 
it's non-judgmental. I'm writing down the things that are coming to me and, and really putting some thought in. That's really helped me on my journey uh, ever since I really made journaling a conscious practice on a daily basis. And But I can definitely see that, right? And yeah. the the other thing I wanted to explore with you is what, you know, as parents or caregivers, what are some things we can do for our children to create that safety and healthy expression? Um, I know one time I suggested that my son start journaling and I was like, yeah, you have to do this every day. And then fortunately he came back to me and said, you know what? I don't really like this. I like drawing. So I was like, okay, well, let's get you stuff that you can use to draw. But, you know, often we feel like just because something works for us, it may work for our child. And we force that on, which is probably having the opposite effect. And to your point, it's not creating that aspect of safety. So what can we do and how can we be more mindful? I think it's find, like you said, it's find what, find, uh, what works for them, what they enjoy. Um, it's not something that can be, um, pushed on to, you know, creativity is, has it needs to come from within. So if you're in, you know, not everyone's going to be into drawing or art or um, arts and crafts and um, not everyone's going to be into journaling or, or, um, you know, using symbols. So it's, it's what works for the child and, and, and use, it could be like going for a walk on the beach and yeah. asking them to, you know, inviting them to pick, you know, a pebble, what yeah. pebble, and then explore that, you know, what a, describe you know if you were to pick a pebble for you which one would would you pick and then you pick a pebble and then you can talk about your pebble and describe it in three words and then and then they can describe that so it's just allowing um the expression Mm -hmm. and and for you to then as a parent to listen listening skills are so important i mean it's something we learn as a psychotherapist, one of the first things you learn is how to listen, yes. you know, without, uh, because sometimes we want to, uh, there's a, you know, we want to impose ourselves or say something. So listening skills and just to listen and reflect back what they've said. Right. So that they feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. So giving, holding the space is so important. Yeah. So it's finding what works for them and it might be music. What's their favorite what what's their favorite, you know, tune at the moment and what is it about that or their lyrics that they like or or um a lot of my teenage clients love the insight card. So inviting them to pick a card often at the end of a session I'll invite them to pick a card and they have lots of different and they'll pick, you know, the which deck they want and they pick a card and and they talk about how it relates to them or what, how, how they feel about the, the card. And there'll be a whole um, discussion around that. Right. It's anything that, um, that can be used to allow them to express themselves. And um, for you as a parent to, to, to just listen and reflect back so, and hold the space for them. Right. And and then we were talking offline about the importance of attunement, right? And that's so yeah. important. And I was referring to the book I'm reading, the when the body says no, there's that aspect of emotional regulation, the, the skills and the tools that children learn early. And a huge 
component of it is attunement as parents. And if that's not present, even if we're physically present and we're spending time with them, if we're not attuning to their emotions, they're not getting those skills, they're not feeling understood or seen or heard, as you said. And that can often cause problems in adult life, whether it's through their own relationships or how they believe they are seen in the world. And that can lead to other stressors in life. And it's such a huge thing to focus on as caregivers is, you know, often myself included, I feel like, oh, if I'm just physically present, I'm doing all the right things. Uh, or if I'm just engaging my son in activities, I'm doing the right things. But no, it's understanding his emotions and listening. And often I, you know, try to force things I feel like are in his bet, you know, beneficial for him. And that also can be often, uh, can have negative consequences. You know, though we can only do our best yeah. and we can only be good enough. And if you ask my children, um, they would, you know, have lots of complaints about me. So <laughs> I think my, you know, I always remember when I was doing the training and I am, um, for creative technique, you know, play therapy and creative yeah. techniques. And I was pregnant at the time and someone turned around to me and they, you know, they had more grown up children. They thought, you're so lucky. You're learning all this now. It's, you're going to be a fantastic parent. And I was like, oh, pat myself on the back. Uh, but, you know, and then it happens to you. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, the most important thing is learning to regulate yourself mm -hmm. as, a, as, as a parent because you, you know, there's going to be times it's going to be very challenging. You're going to, you know, you're going, you're going to, uh, all your buttons are going to be pressed. All your, uh, all your struggles are going to come up, bubble up to the surface. And all you can do is hang on and I think if we can if we can convey regulation and the skills and then rupture and repair. So if you know if you haven't you know if you have had an outburst and you haven't been the perfect parent and it, that's a rupture, you know it's okay to say, look, I'm really sorry. You know, mm -hmm. like mommy didn't deal with that well, and I'm sorry. You know, and you know, um, I'm not. You know. It's, you know, I'm not, um, uh, some, you know, I didn't handle that well, but you know, I'm really sorry. And this was, you know, and, and repair it mm -hmm. and say, and I think that's some, the best thing that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think even if you can, if you can learn to regulate and if you can, um, then be curious about what it is, if, if you are, um, activated, if you notice yourself being activated, by uh, behavior in your child, and this also um, could be said of partners or family. What what is that about? You mm. know, reflect on it, uh, journal on it, use creative expression, um, and I think that's the most important thing that you can do. And then use um, working with the body. For for myself, I think my own uh, yoga practice. Breathing technique, um, meditation has been very useful 
but um, I think it's been learning to ground myself. So right. what, knowing when I'm activated, knowing what I need to do. Even yes, I mean, I, I've started doing personal therapy again because I, I think it's important as a therapist to go, you know, to keep doing your personal development. Yeah. And yesterday um, I was talking about something from my very early 20s and I felt my whole body activate mm-hmm. and I was shaking. But I knew that it was a it was a feeling, it was an emotion that had been stuck in there and right. it needed to be expressed. So I just breathed through it, grounded, put my feet on the ground. And because it was a safe space with my therapist, it was it was able to come up and it was able to pass through me. Mm. Yeah. So I think, you know, we need to be kind to ourselves as well. Sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. that's even that's one of the things in my picture book. So it was about, you know, what are the what are the things that the Benny the Badger learns? He learns kind self talk. Mm. He learns belly breathe so that he and he learns the importance of community and talking and feeling um, your community and who you have around you and um, knowing that, that, that there are going to be emotional storms, but mm-hmm. you beginning and a middle and an end and that you can, you know, we can't um, be free. We can't, we can't expect, to, you know, I think sometimes if so, I want to be healed. And for them, that means that they're not going to feel difficult feelings, emotions, thoughts, sensations. But it's not about that. Healing isn't about that. It's about knowing that you can have all that and experience the uh, intensity of life, but that it's okay. Right. you, You know, you can have that and you can feel free and at peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate all that because I, I think, you know, you touched on three main themes there. There's obviously that aspect of having grace for ourselves as individuals and to your point, being kind from that regard. And then there's that aspect of also regulating ourselves. So some of the things you mentioned, whether it's yoga or breathing, I definitely find breath work has really helped my ability to emotionally regulate. So even when stressors come up or something comes up, I'm not having any outbursts, which obviously can have an impact on our children. But through that, through those practices, then we're able to role model for our children, right? Yeah, and exactly. and whether if we fall short of where we get our own aspirations as parents, we're able to even role model repair. So then they can also grow up and understand that you will have conflict, you will have challenges along the way, but you should also have the skill sets to be able to apologize and repair. And I think all of those things are so important that you touched on. Yeah, I think, um, and children are very, very sensitive to even uh, an expression on your face. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they can tell. They yeah. can tell if you're activated. So um, it's yeah. If we can, if we can learn that in ourselves, then they will. You'll, we, we will be modeling it for them. Yeah. And if we can learn that, if if we can show that some, you know, sometimes we don't get it right, but it's okay, and that we can repair. We're yeah. also modeling that. 
you know, and if we can face um, our challenges and difficult, you know, discomfort, and we're also modeling that because most of the time we don't want to feel discomfort, mm -hmm. you know, and that's another thing that my um, research showed that, you know, we, you know, you can have as many letters after your name as you want, but as right. human beings, we don't like discomfort. So our natural reaction is to push it away, to push it down, to push it onto somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, but actually what we need to do is we need to hold it and be with it and allow it to, uh, to pass through us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. The, the other area when it comes to children is this whole idea of autonomy, right? And there's this aspect that sometimes we try to control their environment too much or we're too far removed. There's obviously a healthy balance there, but what are your thoughts around being able to equip children with the appropriate amount of autonomy so then they can grow up to be independent adults? Yeah, um, that's an interesting question. I, you know, every every family's and every parents are going to have different ideas about, and I think it is it's a delicate balance. So, and I think for what's right for one family is not going to be right for another mm -hmm. person. I think it is important to give them a sense of autonomy, um, but that's very challenging as a parent. Right. Yeah. It's important to, for us to reflect as parents on what is it, is it a safe amount? You know, what's, so it depends what it is really is what I'm saying. Yeah. And is it one need to control and protect? Is that coming from our own needs? Yeah. Is that is, or is that, is it, so who, who's benefiting from that? Who's, Yes. Is, in a is it my inner child that wants to, is, is struggling or is, is this um, the appropriate amount of, uh, uh, of minding for my child because, you know, it's not safe. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's trying to figure that out. So, um, uh, yeah, it depends on the situation, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. Specific. Right. And you touched on a very crucial point too is, is it our own need for control or is it actually to your point in the real benefit of the child because i feel like often it's our own emotional attachment to the child that could be getting in the way and or the the i guess even the narrative we created in our head that oh what will that say about me as a parent if i'm giving this much freedom to my child or if the child gets hurt how am i going to feel and sometimes you need children need those experiences to again become a part of this world getting hurt and yeah. it, it's such a fine balance like you said but i think it's it is a struggle for for a lot of parents and it's very situation dependent it it is and it's a different world now to what it used to be do you know what i mean it's a it, yes it depends on culture as well so there are so many different factors uh, but it's um i think it's always important always useful to reflect to self-reflect as a parent who is this serving is this my own is this something is this my own fear mm -hmm. 
or is is this serving me or is it serving the child? Right. Right. And to your point, it being a different world, especially now with children having access to social media, what are your thoughts around that? And, you know, in terms of the work you do as well? Well, um, in terms of social media, I think I'm in favor of making sure you always have the security to make sure that, um, you know, if, if a child, I know that children are having phones and at a much younger age, um, but in terms of security, make sure that you have um, those that on the phone so that they don't have, so you can control the apps. Mm-hmm. You can control the screen time um, until they're old enough to be able to do that and um, self-regulate mm-hmm. and walk. Because, um, yeah, I mean, that's something that, I mean, it's a household issue with us, but we, <laughs> we have, we've always been strict to have all the kind of, to use the apps that monitor and make sure that, um, that, that there's no, uh, free access to the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And we can make, we can see what's going on and, and, and uh, put limits on certain things. So yeah. But it's, I mean, it's something that's definitely, that needs to be kept, you have to keep, it's family specific. Yeah. Uh, right. And that's the thing, what's, what you do, you might put all the limits on your children's phone and then they go to school and then their friend doesn't have the limits on their phone. So they, the thing is, they're going to see stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm always in favor of getting in there early and talking right. to the children. Um, at a child appropriate in a child appropriate age appropriate way, mm-hmm. there's sometimes there might be stuff that they are exposed to that might give them a fright, and that they won't feel right about. Because I have had uh, children as young as eight being exposed to extreme porn, for right. example, um, that come into the office. So I, you know, I'm in favour of having difficult conversations in, in an age appropriate way. Right. Just to prepare children and to un- so that they understand that they can always come to you. Yeah. That, that you're not going to be mad at them, that it's okay, that there's stuff out there that, you know, will give you a fright, that, you know. And that's how I, for younger children, that's how I put it. Just in case there was ever a time they saw something. And, and this has happened, uh, you know, I have had children who have been exposed to something, but they've been too afraid. Right to talk to their, to their parents about it. And it's been, you know, it's caused a lot of suffering. So I'm always in favor of having difficult conversations, but in an age appropriate way. Right. So that they, or that they can always come to you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's to, uh, to your point, again, it's creating that safety for the children also to feel safe, to be able to have those conversations or even approach parents because with, the access nowadays, there is a lot of source for trauma, whether it's classroom bullying now that can extend past the classroom, can follow you yes. home, or some of the things you may see online that, you know, obviously, especially with social media, it's hard to maintain those filters at times and you don't know what's going to yeah. squeak through. Exactly. There's a lot of content out and I think it's important to, and you know, Children's brains are not able to decipher and discriminate 
between co content and it's right. getting even more confusing now with the content coming out. So it's important to have those conversations that, that not everything they see is real. Mm -hmm. uh, some things are, but you know, to have, I think it's important to keep having those family conversations. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes adults can find those conversations difficult themselves, but it is really important to keep the conversation open. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the kids, mine two are teenagers now, you know, they roll their eyes, you know, and they're not talking about that again. <laughs> but, you know, it, it means that it's, it's an open conversation. They know that they can always, they can always come right. to us if we need to. Yeah, and it's so important to have that open two-way communication because then if they don't have the parents to come to, they don't really have, a, they may go somewhere else or they may just suppress it with neither of which are good options, right? Because you don't know yeah. where they're going to end up asking questions. So uh, I I agree with you and I appreciate that too. And um, I guess one of the last questions I had was with the amount of screen time, because I also see it with my son, do you feel like that outlet has impacted children's creative expression? I think it, it's, it's a different, um, I mean, there are just observing my own children. I mean, I have got one, one of my children, I mean, loves to build things, mm -hmm. you know, so in in that in that respect that's extremely creative that you right. get to build a house and a build a world and um it's just a different way of doing it isn't it wow. and then there's up you know there's so i think things are changing things are shifting yeah and creativity maybe is expressed in a slightly different way yeah yeah for sure. I mean, I see it with a lot of kids creating videos on YouTube and stuff. That yeah. is definitely a different form of expression. But I, I just often wonder with the games they're playing or just, just binging on videos or, or Netflix, for that matter, are they actually able to process things in their head and, and do something with it, right? And um, I don't know what the right answer is, because obviously yeah. we're, we're always evolving as a species. But I often wonder, right? And um, yeah, and uh, you know, it's 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 fascinating, and it hasn't, to be honest, uh, there hasn't, you know, there needs to be more research on it. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, it's had an impact, and I don't know if it's if I look, they know a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> you know, my my fourteen year olds know so much. Like, no, the access to knowledge now is amazing. I mean. If you think you can have so much, you, think you can have access to anything. All this knowledge and history and arts and culture, it's amazing. Um, so they do. So in that way, it's enriching. Right. So it's about balance. Yeah. But so on the one hand, you know, for, for example, with him, like, you know, he has so, he knows so much and maybe it brings on maturity in a different way a lot quicker. But like equally, he'll love to run around a field in um, the west of Ireland, you know, making a yeah. den. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think uh, it's finding that right balance because I, I was talking to my friends earlier this week too. For me, 
to, to strike that balance. It's often taking my son out in nature where he's disconnected from everything yeah. and he's able to ground himself, or at least both of us are able to ground ourselves. It was kind of good for me to disconnect too, but, um, yeah. And then it's funny that the conversation we had were a lot more in depth versus us being at home where, you know, the screens often get in the way. So yeah, I agree. Like definitely nature's a healer. Yeah. And I think if you can find time to get outdoors, to go for a walk, do whatever, go to the beach, just be in a park, yeah. around nature, um, that's definitely healing. And even uh, as a parent to do something with your child out in nature, and it doesn't have to be for long, you know, um, yeah. go for the bike ride, uh, whatever it is, just to get out. Yeah. So those are the times where you can have the most natural conversation. Yeah, I agree. And you're very, you know, lucky to be in Ireland to, to be around all <laughs> kinds of amazing natural uh, beauty. So I, I've been able to experience it personally too, but uh, very, very fortunate. But uh, yeah, that's a challenge for people living in cities, but it's, I suppose, get to the, get to the park, mm-hmm. you know, there's always, there's always a lovely park and even just going for a walk in the park playing football um, whatever it is just to have those moments of play mm-hmm. with your child where yes. it is where you're all off devices and you're just playing because you know that's what we've all you know if you look at animals they love to play mm-hmm. you know? so it, we're the same we love connect we build connection through play yeah. So we find pockets of time, you know, to do that, to, to get out and connect through play. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, social connection and play are very important for us. Um, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for coming on here and having this conversation with me. I, I'm really grateful. I do, you know, I want to give listeners an opportunity if they want to get a hold of you or find you online. What are some ways they can do that? Um, they can check out my Instagram at Dr. V. Harris. Um, I am also at drvharris.com. And that's my website. And I've got a YouTube channel, which I'm going to, where I do kind of mindfulness meditation, both for adults and for children, which I'm hoping to expand as well. You can actually get that. Yeah, I'll put all of that in the show notes. But thank you again. Uh, Thank you for coming on here. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for checking out this episode with Dr. Harris. As always, please leave a review or a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's the best way to support this podcast. Thank you. And until next week. Mm